Hello. 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 And welcome to another episode of What Even Is This? Yes. <laughs> We're Ooh. a little rusty. It's been a few weeks for mm-hmm. us. It's been um, a little while. Since yeah. <laughs> we are now in our two-week schedule, which I think is going to be um, how we're working for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um but it's helping us be humans and also just enjoy each other's company outside of the pod too, which is really nice. Yes. Um, so yeah, we are in the Christmas season now, which is exciting and strange in COVID times. Um, but we thought today we could talk about what Christmas movie we are as people. <laughs> um, so my name is Charlie. And um, as a Christmas movie, I am Last Christmas, <laughs> starring Amelia Clark. Have either of you seen it? It sounds familiar. I don't think so. Okay, we are. will be watching it because I want you to see it. The main romantic lead in it is Henry Golding. Um, <gasps> okay, I've seen, I've seen trailers for this. Yeah, he's so hot. But um, <laughs> I'm that movie because she is a mess and like is a sickly person. <laughs> Oh, no. So that's me. Not depressing. She's very full of holiday spirit. And she likes to sing. Um, so th- that's me. What oh. about you guys? <laughs> um, well, I'm Rebecca. And I think if I were a holiday movie, I would be a Muppet's Christmas Carol. Oh, my actual Incredible. lord. <laughs> Just because I feel like I, too, am a remake of a traditional thing. I'm but like wow. to swing out, you know? I love that. With so a little much. bit of spice, pizzazz, a little flavor. Yeah. A little bit of Kermit, if you will. A little bit of silly. I love that adaptation. <laughs> I gotta rewatch that. It's oh, excellent. Oh my god. Okay, what about you? Hot take, not no- November, but December. I don't like the Christmas Carol. Any version Ever? of the Christmas Carol, I hate the it. The story? I yeah. like the ghosts. Like <laughs> I spooky. hate the ghosts. Oh, okay. <laughs> what movie would you be? Um, so Who are you also? <laughs> yeah, this is Felix. <laughs> and if I was a movie, I would be specifically Nativity! Exclamation mark with Martin Freeman. <laughs> um, it is, I think it's a BBC movie potentially, but it's definitely yeah. British. And it is everything that i wish my nativities in my younger years had been oh my gosh i'm the little girl in it singing teenage dirtbag <laughs> she's like seven <laughs> yeah like, oh, so good yes yeah that um, excellent oh gosh we already watched it once for the season but i would like to watch I it i bought again. it so we can watch it whenever oh, we want damn. to okay mm. good um but as for what we're talking about today uh we have a extra special informative episode at least to me it's extra special because it's something Mm -hmm. i've wanted to learn about for a long time i know we we all have um we're gonna be talking about the government the canadian government today um specifically the three different levels so we all got to take one level of government and um research it and now we're reporting back with our findings Mm -hmm. um surprise surprise they're all similar and interrelated (laughs) so i'm sure we'll have overlap but i'm excited to talk about it um rebecca is covering federal i'm Mm -hmm. covering provincial and felix is covering municipal so we're gonna start with federal so becca do you want to go first hell yeah i do i'm so excited Um, So um, I am talking about the federal government and essentially a couple of things. 
um, in terms of how it works. A little bit about elections as well as what senators do, because I had mm. no idea and I really mm. wanted to figure out what that was. <laughs> yeah. But essentially, what makes the federal government different from the provincial or the municipal is that it deals with laws that are listed within the Constitution Act of 1867. And mm. these are laws or pieces of legislation that will affect the entirety of Canada. Um, mm. And the federal government works out of the House of Parliament, which is in Ottawa, or the House of Commons is also what it's called. Um, and that is um, on Capitol Hill in Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada. And our parliamentary system. Yes. Sorry to interrupt. No. For the longest time, I thought Toronto was the, the capital of Canada. That's what everyone's conception. Yeah. <laughs> um, Unless you're Tucker Carlson and you call it Otawa. Stop. That clip is it's so Otawa? funny. Otawa? I saw a TikTok. What, did he, what was he even talking about? But he did say Otawa. Something about Canada. He was, I think he was making some kind of like negative comment about Canada. And he was like, the capital of which, by the way, is Otawa. Thank God. And I was like, True. stop speaking. I love when you inval- but... like, they invalidate themselves. Like, I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah. Sorry to diverge. Just... <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> and our parliamentary system, at least federally, is based on the British system, hmm. which makes sense due to colonization and the majority of it being by the British. Yes. Okay. So at the federal level, um, we actually have three different divisions. So we have the monarch, the senators, and the MPs, who are members of parliament. So the monarch is one person but because the queen isn't actually in canada and doesn't direct and like we're not really like we're a sovereign nation but we're still part of like the commonwealth yeah <laughs> which is so wild it's really which wild. is weird well since um, a little kid i was like this seems wrong <laughs> <laughs> but okay <laughs> yeah like it's it's very strange but since the queen isn't in canada we have someone who is supposed to be the representative of the monarch who is at this mm-hmm. current time Queen Elizabeth. Hopefully mm-hmm. never Charles, but... We're against Charles in this house. <laughs> we yeah, also we don't like Prince William. We don't really like the British family in general. No, we're not I, I'm an anti-monarchist, if yeah. we're going to be real, but like... <laughs> anyways, so we had, do have someone in our government system that represents the monarch, and they're called the Governor General. Mm. Julie Payette. Is that who it is now? Yeah. Is that who it is? I definitely did yeah, not Yeah, she's it the up. astronaut, and apparently right now she's dealing with that she basically hasn't created a safe workplace, um, and oh, they're doing an damn. investigation because she treats her staff really poorly. <gasps> and her, like, second-hand person is her best friend and also mistreats the staff. Shook. She's Wild. apparently not a great person at all. Okay, Wild. before we post this, let's definitely look for an article because I definitely want to. We can. Add I can link many articles. I've read them. This okay. is wild. Okay. We okay. can put but, those in the show notes then. Well, yes. it is being investigated right it's now. It's alleged. Okay, but alleged. like, like put that yeah. all in. Like see definitely, articles. definitely. Phenomenal. Okay, keep wow. going, Rebecca. Okay, so then we also have senators, and within the Senate, there are actually 105 seats, and oh, senators no. in Canada are not actually elected, like they are in the <gasps> states. Okay, 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 okay. This is something that I was freaking out about when I was looking at provincial government. Yeah. So, but I was like shook because I thought that everybody was elected. Yeah. This was my main thing. My main concern when I was researching. So, please explain. I also thought 
I also thought, like, we'll get into a lot of senator shit later on, because <laughs> I do have a really interesting point to make yeah. about demographics. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't actually elect senators at all. I thought we oh did-ish, or, like, I honestly didn't really know how this worked, because yeah. I haven't cared up until this point. Yeah, same. But actually, senators are appointed by the governor general, based on the recommendation of the prime minister. This is what I'm saying, dude! Oh my god, okay, yeah, keep telling us. (laughs) So that's how they get into office. And they do have to, they do have, like, an an independent board that, like, goes over, like, this person and, like, their recommendations. And if it, like, turns out that they're, like, a shitty person, then obviously they're not going to be appointed. But, Mm. like, for the most part, your appointees are going to be appointed to the Senate. Huh. I have a And when do they leave? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you go ahead. That's a good question. Um, Are they, like, lifetime? Hold on. Let me scroll for a little bit. I was going to go more in-depth into it. Okay, in that's okay. Problem. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. Keep going. No, no, no. I have it's a, okay. one other question to interrupt <clears throat> yeah, of as well, actually. Because when I was looking into municipal, I was worried because I thought the same thing about the cabinet or the executive. You mean provincial? What did I say? Municipal? Yeah. Sorry, I meant provincial. Mm-hmm. When I was looking into the cabinet, I was like, are these guys also, like not elected but they mm-hmm. were and they're actually mpps that are technically elected yes. but they're just select from the pool whereas the senate yes. are just not elected period <clears throat> yeah well, they're senators are not elected recommended at all. by the prime minister but they're not yeah. electees yeah. like we don't vote on them no wow like the way in which so the prime minister will also choose their own cabinet for um different areas of like you're going to have like a minister for like national defense right or like foreign affairs, all that kind of stuff. And those positions are chosen by, like, the prime minister and their, like, office or their administration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so and those, those are not elected as well. They are elect. They're, like, elected Pete. They're, like, elected MPs. But then yeah. he'll appoint them to specific positions. Gotcha. Um, okay. Kind okay. of just, like, you know how, like, we'll have, like, Stephen Lecce, who is, like, an MP. Yes. And mm-hmm. he's also, like, the minister for Ugh. education in Ontario. <laughs> yes. Um... <laughs> Which also, interestingly enough, if you do get elected to one of those, or you're put in one of those positions, you get paid more. Yes, I did know that because Sam Osterhoff gets paid more than his salary. He gets paid like an extra, like something like 12 grand or something like that, 18,000 in and around there, just because he's like an aide to this minister for education or whatever but that's like a a whole other issue yeah which like okay on one hand i get because you do actually have to do some work additional work yeah compensated for that but that's another already very well compensated like i don't know they have over six figures like mpps in ontario will make already over a hundred thousand dollars i can't jeez anyway but sorry to interrupt you keep going so the senate are non-elected and they're and then we have mps so our mps are called members of parliament and the mp that's what the same word they are voted into office through federal elections and there are 338 seats within the house of commons so that means that there are 338 different ridings across canada wow and each riding will have a representation federally yeah um in parliament so there are three different branches of um government so you have the executive branch the legislative branch and the judicial judicial jesus christ judicial branch Mm. so the executive branch is the one that's made up of the governor general who represents the monarch the Mm -hmm. prime minister as well as their cabinet okay 
And then we have the legislative branch, which is about legislation, about laws, things like that. That's made up of the Senate. And these are people who are appointed, as well as those who have been elected to the House of Commons. So MPs are also part of the legislative branch because they also have a say in creating and voting on legislation. Uh, Interesting. I didn't realize that. And lastly, we have the judicial, which is actually independent from the other branches. And they're an independent court of law, basically, that will interpret the laws that have been put in place um, that have been passed through the executive and the legislative branches. And Wait, because so yeah, so like iterative. who are these people? <laughs> this is like so like is there an example kind of like a real So world the person? judicial judicial is like the courts. So we will have like the Supreme Court of Canada, we'll have the diff- various oh, levels yeah. of okay, courts and okay. stuff like that. It's um law it's like them. law separate okay. to the people who are law is, the law. Like law basically is taking what those two other branches have come up with mm-hmm. and like passed into law and mm-hmm. then enacting that law within every day okay okay or like you're yeah that kind of stuff and basically the prime minister is considered the head of the government Mm -hmm. and queen elizabeth who is the current monarch of canada because canada is a constitutional monarchy is considered the head of state which is interesting but also feels incredibly unnecessary yeah So while the federal government does have, or it does not, sorry, have direct supervision over things like education or property rights and things like that, it does Mm -hmm. actually try to make sure that standards for all the provincial, like the provincially governed sectors are fair and equal across each like uh, province or territory because you want it to be equal. You don't want to be having incredibly like strange education, like disparities across the board. Yeah. So, you know, you do have, like, certain things huh. that you the can't federal let the provinces but, run amok, basically. But the like, thing is, is yeah. the things that they control, but you can't go out of Could bounds. we argue that that is happening, though? Because personally, oh, like... It most definitely is. <laughs> looking <laughs> like, at the provinces, like, they truly are doing their own thing. And because it's also, it depends on who the party is and the premier in is power mm-hmm. in oh, the no, province. Oh, no, Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you obviously will get disparities based on who's in power, what people are trying to get passed in, like, legislative ways or overturned in court and things like that. If you look at Alberta and their, like, their introduction of, like, the Lord's Prayer or whatever it is that they're trying to, like, implement into public schools or something like that. I can't remember exactly what that is, but, like, like, you have, like, that kind of disparity, but in terms of, like your base curriculum like you can't just be teaching in like a public school in Ontario you cannot be teaching just like like random shit that yeah. you aren't going to be yeah. te- like you have to have your basics to a of certain it extent is. it, cre- it yeah. creates some structure yeah mm-hmm. but things like what your individual curriculums or what you need to pass like in order to be granted like a like secondary school diploma like your high school degree or whatever it is that will probably vary province by province okay something like that like you might be required to do x y and z in one but not quite the same in another Mm. i feel like this could be a whole other conversation and that's the thing like we're i know that we're we're only touching that's the thing and this is why i said Mm -hmm. i think i said it off air like i literally could see myself spiraling oh yeah to like 
trying to dig up as much as I can learning about this mm-hmm. because there's so little like I know we're taught a bunch of this in school quite early on I would say like middle school but and maybe also this is because my civics class I took it on a bus but that's another story <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like there's so much that the general public or maybe I should only speak for myself that I don't know and mm-hmm. isn't um, part of the education you get unless for example you're immigrating here where you have to learn mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. to take your citizenship test like I want to be better educated on this from the little bit I've spent learning now I'm like wow I can't believe I didn't know this before as like a voting participating member of society I don't know there's a lot of stuff that I didn't realize that I didn't know yeah. um even just like thinking about like how does a bill get passed and like mm-hmm. made into law I was mm-hmm. thinking about that before I did research for this and I was like I have no idea yeah. all I know is they debate the shit that's it yeah. <laughs> now I want to talk a little bit about federal elections and mm. basically how governments are chosen and formed yes so if you're a Canadian citizen you know this it's also like relatively parallel to the states in terms of like the timeline every four years basically Mm -hmm. we're going to have a federal election Mm -hmm. and that's going to decide who will represent Canadians in the House of Commons Um, and actually based on Canada Election Act Elections Act federal elections are to be held on the third Monday in October every fourth year but elections can be called for earlier than that. And we can talk about that in a bit. For yeah. some reason, maybe I'm making this up, but I feel like I saw something saying we're going to have an election in the spring of 2021. We will get to that. Uh-oh. Okay. Don't you worry. So all over Canada, all over Canada, we're divided up divided up into ridings or constituencies. And here, people who are Canadian citizens Um, can vote for an eligible candidate and the person who ends up receiving the most votes in that riding then becomes a member of parliament or an MP and then Mm -hmm. they represent those people in the ridings within the House of Commons. Uh, This is like fairly well known. I think most people generally understand this level. Yeah. So the party that ends up having the most MPs that are elected to the House of Commons is the one that will usually end up forming government. And the leader of that party becomes the Prime Minister of Canada. And the Governor General will then, on behalf of the monarch, ask the leader of that party that wins to be Prime Minister. So there's like a lot of formality (laughs) that goes into it. It's kind of like the way in which the Electoral College in the States is like a very formal way to like formalize the votes. It's like a lot of just extra stuff that doesn't really have to be there although the electoral college system of the states is a whole other issue yeah Yeah. and like deeply flawed and rooted in racism oh absolutely but so is our system too but not in the same structural way yeah yeah. there are the way like spaces are divided up in districts that's true that's true Mm -hmm. so then the leader of the party that comes in second is called the leader of the opposition and whatever Mm. party it is that they represent is called the official opposition so in this case currently right now justin trudeau is part of the liberal party he is the prime minister of canada aaron o'toole is the leader of the conservatives who are the official opposition and but from aren't elected... they not? Sorry to interrupt. No, aren't they go a ahead. minority government right now? Though? Yes, they are a minority government, which means that the Liberal Party does not have more than half the seats in the House of Commons. Okay. But they have the most seats out of all of the parties that are there. Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay. 
So then from the elected MPs, the Prime Minister will then choose, typically they're going to choose MPs from their own party to then fill in spots for like Minister of like Foreign Affairs, Defense, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, even though this doesn't usually happen, they are allowed to choose um, senators and MPs outside of their their own party to be cabinet ministers. That's very cool. Oh, Mm -hmm. I actually think that's a good system. Yeah, so it's not limited to people from your own party, even though typically that's who you're going to pick. You don't have to if you don't want to. But then this brings up the question, at least for me when I was researching, I was like, what happens if a party wins the election, but the leader of that party doesn't win their own riding? Yes, I was wondering that. Because that's the one thing about the way in which our system works is that the leader of the party does have their own riding just because their party gets majority doesn't mean um, that they've necessarily won their own seat. Typically Mm -hmm. they will, but not always. So basically the question is, if we were to have an election today and Justin Trudeau and the Liberals won the election, but Justin Trudeau lost his own riding, what, what would end up happening? So I found um, an article from the Globe and Mail, and basically they were talking about, based on like the history of what's happened, one of the backbenchers in the party who has a seat that is pretty much like going to be a guarantee for that party, they're going Mm. to resign. And then that allows the prime minister to step in and run as an MP in that region in a by-election. And the other party... Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yes! I know! <laughs> Yikes. Wait, 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 wait. So, just to clarify, Sebeka, mm-hmm. if, you're pri- if you want to be Prime Minister, you have to have won your writing. Like, if you don't win your writing, you can't be Prime Minister? No, you just have to be the leader of a party. Well, you have to win a writing. A writing. But you don't necessarily have to win, win your, your original writing. Aha. Yeah. Okay. So, say Justin Trudeau loses his writing. Wild, right? Um, one of one of the MPs in his party that basically knows that they're going to get elected because they live in a highly liberal supporting area or riding, they're going to step down and let him run in a by-election because they know that he's going to win that riding and still be able to be an MP because he's still technically a member of parliament. He's also right. going to be the leader of the party. I see. This is yes. sus. It is a it bit is. like okay. it's like a weird back, like a weird a block, like way really. around everything. Exactly. Yeah, a loophole to protect the prime minister, whoever is the leader. the leader of the party. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because like how weird would it be? Because this happened in I think BC, Christy Clark, um, and her party won the election, but she lost her own riding, uh, and this was basically kind of like where this question came up. So basically. Um, they'll Christy have a Clark, by-election. Is that the NDP or is that the Liberals? No, I think she's a Liberal. Okay. Mm. This mm. was a while ago, though. This was yeah. like probably close to ten years. Very cool. Yeah. So that happens. That's wild, right? I had no idea. It's spicy, also. That I call sus. Uh, <laughs> liberals vented in the left corridor. <laughs> no, <I'm screaming. laughs> honestly, I feel like that makes sense, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be to me though, I think isn't it simpler, and I guess like I understand you don't want like the losing candidate mm-hmm. to become prime minister, but like no. if we're gonna do this whole like pretending of a by election, like why wouldn't we just allow 
someone who lost their writing to be prime minister if they are the elected mm-hmm. like leader of their party like you know like i don't know it yeah. seems like a roundabout the thing reason is, is then there's not enough seats it's based on the seats too right so if they it lose their seats oh. there's someone else from another party that won the seat so they need uh-huh. space to sit so the person someone <laughs> needs to be kicked out and it's no, not that them. makes a lot of sense i'm glad you brought that there's otherwise a lot they're just standing in that place there's not that many i gotcha Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they, okay. I do wonder sometimes they stand so much when I see them. I'm like, do you even need a seat? Like, mm-hmm. we should just there, remove them. A lot of the time, if there's like something that like the leader of their party is saying that they're like in support of, they'll stand when the That's person funny. is like addressing the speaker of the house. Mm. It's very which is also an, a very weird role, if you ask yeah. me. Mm-hmm. But um, which we can talk about in another episode. Yeah, but it's a strange deeper. role. Now that we know how governments get elected and what happens if all this crazy shit goes, like, shit hits the fan, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's very important that the prime minister and his um, government basically maintain the confidence of the house or else they can end up losing power. Mm. So basically, if the prime minister doesn't win votes on in really important bills like um, the budget for, like, the year, for example it's actually seen as a vote of no confidence and actually will therefore trigger an election. I see. So and that's if what enough, they've been talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. So en- if enough MPs vote against the prime minister and the party in power, then an election will be called. And that's so why ele- the liberals are dependent on the NDP. Yeah, they have exactly. to work as a team. So elections aren't only going to happen every four years. They can happen a lot sooner than that. And that's why it's really, really important that the go- like the prime minister compromises, especially when you do not have a majority government. Mm-hmm. So when you have a minority government, you basically have to rely on the other parties that are there um, and kind of like compromise Working a bit together. more. Yeah, in order to was... have brute like builds approved and stuff. I see. Because I know there was conversation recently that I had seen in passing uh, mm-hmm. talking about the fact that um, Trudeau and Jagmeet Singh, they were talking about not wanting to trigger an election amidst COVID um, mm-hmm. situations despite disagreements about some things. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what, to be honest, but that's really interesting. And I guess it also makes a lot of sense if you're having the majority of the House mm-hmm. not in agreement with the leader yeah. and their party, then they shouldn't really be leader anymore wow no okay that's good to know yeah and typically leaders will get shuffled around once the party loses terribly yes mm-hmm. like um harper. yes when harper and the conservatives lost very very badly in 2015 <laughs> that's when he stepped down and that's when they had their whole like kerfuffle with like leadership yes it took um, a while to get sheer appointed that bland and then, and then there was, was like another um and now I feel this like... Aaron O'Toole man just continually puts his foot in his mouth and just doesn't shut up he's a tool what can we say yeah, yeah. I mean I have a whole episode planned about him so yes, we will get to him but we will okay. get to him keep telling us about okay. the federal so now um I want to talk about senators because people generally very familiar with members of parliament but what the hell is a senator and what do they do? Yeah, I don't know. 
So in order to be a senator, you actually have to be between the ages of 30 and 75. Oh. You need, yeah. Which Preach. is like a 45 year span, which is kind of odd for me because you will basically not leave that position unless you want to resign or you've aged out of it. Oh, this is, I see. I Unlike see. the yeah. Supreme Court where you die yeah, out, you of die out of the role. Yes. As I far as you. I'm aware, I couldn't tell like you have like a term. It seems because they also, well, we'll get to this. But they do actually have, like, a list of all of the current senators that will age out soon, I think. And not all of the seats right now are actually filled. Uh, oh. But basically... Is there a rule that it has to be filled? Like, can some be empty? No. Some can be empty. It's just, it takes a while for you to, like, find somebody and nominate them. Because there's also other criteria. Um, oh, yeah. But you have going. to. Sorry. So basically, you also have to be a citizen of Canada. That's pretty standard. But you also have to own property worth at least $4,000 in the province or territory for which they're supposed to be appointed. Mm. And you're also supposed to have, at minimum, an overall net worth of $4,000, which really isn't a lot. But um, <laughs> yeah, and you also have to have a residence in the province or territory that you're appointed to. Because all of these are like will have provincial <laughs> or territorial designation. And it didn't really say for what reason, but I'm assuming it's just for, like, different representation. Yeah. I'm deeply confused, but okay, continue. Me too. This is probably the most <laughs> yeah. confusing out of everything. So also, in order for you to be considered a senator, you're supposed to be nonpartisan, which means you're not supposed mm. to have strong political beliefs either way. You're supposed to be, like, a centrist, which is so getting further is pushed that to the possible? right every day. When you're it's nominated not. by different parties. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Clearly they like you that? for some reason. So we're, li- we're lying about the nonpartisan. We're just like pretending that you can be non-biased. That's what this is. That's can you tell funny. this was written by white men? Like... <laughs> okay. Keep, well, so can you um, keep going? I want to I wanna understand how this is even possible. Mm-hmm. So you also need to basically have like a really good, solid understanding of the legislative process, the Uh role of the Senate, basically. You have to have like a good background foundational information, which is Mm going to like kind of give like an advantage to people who are in like law as well as like politics and all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting. Um, You also need to have experience in the legislative process. You're supposed to be a good person, an upstanding citizen. (laughs) You need to be a good person. Like... If you're a bad said, person, you can't be here. Yeah. To whom? I don't understand. Like, they're like, you just can't be a shitty person. But, like, the bar's on the ground for white <laughs> men. Like, oh, God. like, who are we joking? Like, who are we kidding? Also, it said that members, uh, sorry, women and members of minority groups are supposed to be given more consideration um, in an attempt to bring a gender balance as well as more um, diversity to the Senate. I can't wait for you to tell us the stats on it. I'm curious. Oh, we will get there. Don't you worry. (laughs) So basically, like we said earlier, in order to be a senator, the first part is you need to actually be appointed by the prime minister. And then you're reviewed by this board called the Independent Advisory Board for Senate Appointments. And then if you pass, you're then appointed by the governor general. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So Canada has 105 senators, or at least they're supposed to have that. Like, that's the maximum that they have. Um, and they're supposed to be people from very diverse backgrounds in terms of like ethnicity, social, like SES, as well as like cultural um, 
differences, backgrounds, all that stuff. And they're supposed to, quote, use the wisdom gleaned from their own experiences to give minorities a strong voice in parliament. Which I kind of just think's funny. Just um, don't lie. Why are you lying? Like, it's like, let's delude ourselves of the reality that we've created. Frankly, like... What is, I'm really curious what our stats are going to be like, but like, okay, we're, my the, we're going to talk about like, it. Is it going to just be like white men and women and they're like, look at our diversity? I'm just curious. My guess is 90% white women, I mean men, okay. and 10% white women. Okay, what are the, what are the stats, Rebecca? We'll, we'll get to the stats. So, um, I, there are pictures of all of the senators who are in office right now, um, and I was looking at all of them, and from what I can tell, 41 out of the total number are white men, okay. or at least so, white-passing men. Okay, so almost 50%. About six or seven are men of color. And okay. importantly, I think what's good, important to note, there are no male black senators. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Who else okay. then? So, I'm so, so annoyed. <laughs> so now there are different, actually, different groups that senators are going to be associated with. So there's one called the Conservative Party of Canada, which is um, the acronym C, just the letter C, I guess. The Canadian Senators Group, CSG. And um, a group from basically the name, you can tell that they're much more right-leaning in their politics, conservative, clearly. Oh, not not clearly, but yeah, they are. The Independent Senators Group, which is ISG, um, they're basically a group whose aim is to be bipartisan, to really promote more centrist ideas, basically. Like, they're not really, like, they don't really lean one way or the other. And then there's the Progressive Senators Group, the PSG, and then there's also groups of members, or, like, senators who are not affiliated with any of those groups. Wait, but I thought they were all supposed to be non- So you're like, I'm bipartisan, but LOL, I'm part of the conservative senators group? Yes. I don't understand. This this is so annoying. And this bothers me even more when we get into the people that have been nominated by certain prime ministers. Okay. Okay, so 31 of the current senators were nominated by former prime minister Stephen Harper. (gasps) All of this is publicly available. It's in a PDF. I've linked it in the notes. That's 30% of the Senate, by the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So out of the 31 nominated senators, all but four of them, so 27 of the nominations, belong to either the Conservative Party of Canada or the CSG, which are both, like, conservative-leading. Yeah, they're both conservative. So 29 of the 31, which is 93%. By the way, of the ones mm. that he put forth, and, and of were the they what was like their identity? Tw- that they make up were they all white? Was there any on. people of color? Oh God, here we go. Yeah, eleven of these, th- eleven of these thirty-one nominated senators were women. Only one of them is a woman of color. Yeah, of course. There are only three male senators that were nominated by Stephen Harper who are people of color. So four people of color. Four people of color. Four Eleven women. people of color. He did better than I thought he would. To be he perfect, said, I in did terms good. of like the gender ratios. I'm but tired. he was like, "Nah, I'm gonna stack but the cons- am I like, wrong? stack the Senate with." And was I wrong? I'm like, we're going white women. They're like, you know what we're gonna do? Yeah. We'll put no, white absolutely. Women. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Is Justin Trudeau better? We'll find out. No. 
So God. Justin Trudeau, Mr. J. True, if you will. Yeah. He has nominated 51 of the senators on the list. Jesus oh, and the Christ. few, yeah. So the few of them that weren't actually nominated by either one of those were either nominated by Paul Martin or Jean Chrétien. Both liberal oh, leaders. Those are like yeah, way who, back when. Yeah, but these people's terms are going to come, like, expire, basically. Their date of retirement will be within the next 10 years or so, at most. So Trudeau Um, has elected 48% of the Senate. Wow. uh, Yeah, yeah. So out of the 51 senators that he nominated, only five of them were part of, like, a conservative group, or they were non-affiliated. The most of them were from the independent group or the progressive group, so either slightly left-leaning or supposed to be, like, centrist, mm. which was his goal. He said in one place, he said that my goal is to put only, like, like the most nonpartisan people in the Senate because that's supposed to, like, that's what they're supposed to be. Like, Fair you're going to put centrists in there. Yeah. I don't love that, but, like, I, I guess. I get why he's like, I'm sticking to the rules, but if the rules mm-hmm. aren't being abided by, you can't be playing like they're being abided by. No. Okay, so let's hear okay. the... What else about these 51 do we know? So 31 out of the 51 nominated senators are women. Oh, okay. okay. So over half, four of them are women of color. Oh! What the fuck? The percentage I knew it. Is not there was good, a but. Justin, there the was a but. The percentage is not good. You know what? And you know what I love is as a woman of color, my tingle. You see, I even predicted before I knew anything. I, I haven't know. looked up none of this. My woman of color senses were tingling. I'm like, he's gonna. Mm. They're gonna stack with white women. This is everybody. They're like, oh, no one's 100%. progressive. I'm gonna put white Let's women. Let's put a white woman. He I was, was like, like, you know what? Four women. White women. And I'm four women. I'm four women. Okay. <laughs> I'm not against it, but it would be white women. You know. Yeah. And what about, do we have, do you have a set on men of color by any chance? Out of the 20, there are three. <laughs> You're still doing bad, and, sir. And is there any, so there's no black people in the Senate right now, right? There are, I think there's one black woman. So <laughs> Maybe from one indigenous woman. I'm tired. I'm tired. The other 10 senators that were from the other two prime ministers, Paul Martin and John Crescent, um, both of whom were liberal um, yeah. Prime ministers, by Both the way. Six are white men, two are white women, and two are women of color. They all said we're just going to be trash. Which, frankly, if we're going to compare ratios of the 10 existing, it's almost the same number of people of color of the 10 existing. I know. They so, both Harper and Trudeau did. Yeah. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. They absolutely. were like, you know I'm what? There is there's, only white people in this country. There is no black people. There's no indigenous mm-hmm. people. There's no people of color. We will do white people only. Mm-hmm. So, it is 2020. Right now, there's only 99 senators um, oh. because there are vacancies, which happen. Mm-hmm. That just happens. Um, out of the 99 senators, 46 are women, 53 are men, and 15% of the women are um, women of color. And only 11% of the male senators are not white. I'm really tired. I'm tired on this yeah. day. That's... Yeah, so the Senate, really not that diverse. Am I surprised? Absolutely not. Am I surprised no. Justin Trudeau only stacked with white women? No. I think the part that's that about as diverse most, as he though... can get. He spouts stuff, but when he, his actions. <laughs> his that's... feminism is white feminism. No, I'm for real. He's but... a, I would say he's those like white turf feminists. I'm just he like, feels like 
that. He just needs turf banks. <laughs> I literally, here's my thing, though, like, truly. When we look at this, the whole purpose of the Senate, as you described it by definition from your sources, mm-hmm. is to be bipartisan and to represent mm-hmm. diverse voices, right? Yes. I, like, by definition, this is the wrong group of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, even if we were going to yeah. say white people with some spice, right? Like, there's just too like, many white people. Not even just too many white people. There isn't a balance at all. No. Do you know what I mean? No. Like, I guess to them, maybe the diversity is where people are from. Like, I'm assuming that the elected officials are from different provinces and maybe, or territories, yes. and that's what it's about. But if you're supposed to be kind of demonstrating the different Canadians, we love to talk about multiculturalism here. I, like, mm. don't. I don't understand how, by definition, that makes any sense. I mean, I, I'm not surprised, but... Okay. Oh, no, this is not surprising at all to me. But I think it was just really important to go through that, like, specific demographic of senators, because we don't ever talk about them, unless there's, like, a scandal or anything. Yeah. And they're not typically reported on either, but they're so important because they have legislation, like, legislative power. Um, yeah. And because they're appointed by the prime minister it's also really important to like figure out who they're appointing because we can also hold the prime minister accountable yeah um, there's not and we can't and choose senators ourselves no we don't we have vote to do on that them but there extension. are other ways yeah other yeah. ways to pay close attention to who's being included wow mm-hmm. okay okay so Tell us some more, I know we've started this has been a little bit of a long segment but that's okay that's we're fine. almost there's done. lots to get through you know why also is frankly the systems that you're describing are quite similar to the provincial and municipal systems they just differ i think that no. is, yeah in, or at least for me Need anyway the provincial. the provincial system provincial. is quite similar to federal. yeah the provincial i think is modeled in a way that it's just supposed to be a toned down version it with is a yeah. bit of like different divisions of power Mm -hmm. um, and everything but the last thing I wanted to talk about is how bills become laws Um, in the show notes there's a link to like send Canada and basically they have a really good video there that's like super short and can help you like a lot if you're like grade 10 civics and you need to like quickly figure this shit out but anyways so bills are basically things um, where people bring proposals to update or change or introduce new pieces of legislation at the federal level, and they can be introduced either in the House of Commons or the Senate. So if your bill originates in the House of Commons, it will be assigned with a C. If it originates in the Senate, it will be assigned with the letter S. So if you see a bill like Bill, bill C-38, C38, it originates okay. in the House of Commons. And who decides with where it's going to originate? Um, Is it who comes up with well, the bill? Well, you have to have certain people come up with a bill and, like, the idea for a bill. Okay. So if it's a senator, so it would be a Senate-oriented versus yeah. an MP. So then a senator will have brought, like, uh, an issue forward and they're like, I'd like to amend the criminal code for X, Y, and Z or something like that. Which, again, is why they're so important because we don't exactly. elect those people. And they exactly. I thought, truly, I thought they did nothing. I really <laughs> thought the senators were just I... old people who mm-hmm. just sit around. <laughs> no, I know, right? So basically, the Senate is actually really crucial in bills and passing legislation. Um, they're just as important as the House of Commons. And what ends up happen, happening is if somebody introduces a bill, say they want to change a piece of legislation or update it or whatever, mm-hmm. basically what they do is 
they go to the Senate and they do the first reading of that bill. And then the senators are basically supposed to just listen to it and kind of figure out what the bill's about and what's going on. So the first step, the first reading is to just tell senators what it is that's happening, basically. At the second reading of the bill, that's when the debate begins. And senators can ask questions about like the scope of the bill, what it's supposed to cover, what it doesn't cover, and what the bill is supposed to like mean. So at this point, there's actually also a vote to see if people want to push forward with it. And if that then passes, a committee is then created, which is made up of a few senators. So what the committee is supposed to do is to track down experts or people who would be affected by this bill um, and what it would like figure out what it would mean for them if this piece of legislation were to be passed into law. Mm -hmm. And members of the committee are supposed to also do like very meticulous, very close readings of the wording and then make amendments if they think that that's necessary because... The wording is really important, especially if it goes into law, because if there's certain loopholes that they find, that mm -hmm. can then be used in a court of law to, what for whatever purpose, right? Mm -hmm. This is really similar and then to when, provincial as well. Yeah. So then once they do all of the amendments that they think are necessary, finish interviewing everybody, a report is then sent back to the Senate. And if the report has had any amendments introduced to the original wording of the text, Senate, the Senate will basically consider the changes. And if senators feel that there's a need for further amendments, they're also allowed to introduce them, uh, them at this point. So this stage is basically debate about the amendments, if there are any. And if there aren't any amendments that have been made, then they don't need to debate anything. Huh. So finally, they do a third reading. <laughs> So there's a lot of readings of this bill, which I get because you don't want to just like quickly slap some stuff together and make it into law. Mm -hmm. But at the third reading, senators are actually allowed to propose even more amendments if they feel like they should. And at this stage, it's where they vote on the changes that have been made. So if the amendments to the bills are satisfactory and they vote and the bill then passes, it's sent to the House of Commons where mm -hmm. they kind of do like a similar process to like look at the wording, have it all figured out, make amendments if necessary. So once the bill has been um, passed to the House of Commons and they've read it, they've done their changes, they'll pass it back and forth with the Senate up until they agree on the final wording of the bill. And they'll actually have to have the exact same wording because it's only one bill. Why would you make two different copies of the same bill? Hmm. So then the bill basically ends up becoming law when both of them agree on this final textual version of it and then they'll have an identical bill then that is sent to the monarch or the delegate mm -hmm. which is the governor general um, who basically grants royal assent which is the approval and then it will pass into effect whenever the date that they've selected happens I got and you. that's it as far as i know honestly i'm still confused <laughs> No, go but ahead. That's ask okay. questions. No, I'm judged. I think I just need to listen to it again. And I actually have a provincial. <laughs> um, when I talk about provincial, there's a, a little. Uh, what's that called? Not an infographic. A graphic. Um, an illustration, basically, of what the okay. process looks like, like a flowchart almost, mm -hmm. that may be helpful to look at. Because okay. for me yeah. also, when I was reading it um, in plain text before the graphic, I was like, "What do you mean?" And then the graphic helped me. <laughs> um, no, that's mm -hmm. good to know. And also, I think, is revelatory of why things take so long. 
You know yes. what I mean? Like, and I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Like, there's a lot to be considered, and um, it's meticulous work that's going to have direct impact on so many people's lives. But yeah, the like level of repeated work and like revisiting and debating is a lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. It takes wow. forever. But yeah, that's everything. That's all I got for the federal. Jesus Christ. You know what? The This is also like, I unless I have a black hole in my memory for this, I don't think we learned about this. No, I don't remember learning about this. Like I the remember Senate. that we were supposed to learn how a bill became law, but that's like, I, I don't remember actually learning it. I don't think I feel I did like learn we it. learned about the conservative party and then they glossed over the fact there was other parties and then they were like, get in touch with a member of parliament that you like or like do a project about them. And of course it was like, do only conservative people. I do I feel just... like the projects I learned were either historical or yeah, kind of structured around learning about a person versus mm-hmm. the actual workings of stuff. Hmm. It's but that's good to how know. I feel like that's also a part of like, gatekeeping politics as well yeah yeah for sure which is maybe another conversation but yeah um hi y'all we're back for provincial or no we didn't they don't know we no um by the way folks if you're hearing any crunching um we have some cats on both ends of the call now very exciting um (laughs) so they're chomping living their best life in the background so hopefully it won't bother you too much but now I'm ready to talk about provincial now because, Becca, you've set such a good Thank stage you. for me with federal. Um, because provincial government actually, exactly like you said earlier, is kind of built almost like exactly like a federal mm-hmm. government is. Um, it's just at the province level or territory level. Um, so kind of like the federal government, there are responsible areas that provinces handle alone and also shared jurisdiction. So things that provinces work with the federal government on um, that they handle together. And each of the 10 provinces and three territories kind of have their own jurisdiction on specific stuff and then share shared jurisdiction on other stuff. So specifically, just off the top, to list the things that provinces handle, typically they handle direct taxes. So, for example, how we have HST here, there's certain elements of that that are direct taxes. Yeah. We deal with healthcare, so think about hospitals. Prisons are actually provincially handled as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, education. Really? So, uh, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> Prisons are a provincial jurisdiction. Uh, education, um, marriage, and the rights around marriage, things like that, um, as well as property and civil rights. We're also talking about natural resources, some of them, and things like, for example, like electricity, water, oil, things like that. And also some elements of like roadworks, transportation. Not all of them, but some of them. And we'll go, when I talk about municipal, like one thing they noted about municipal is that there also is overlap with what municipal and provincial do with certain things. So for example, road work and road stuff, that's a big one where there's most likely a lot of overlap. Exactly, yeah. So there was actually a shift in dynamics um, at first, of course, like after the original constitution was written, it was actually meant to be that things were more centralized so that federal Mm -hmm. government handled most things. Um, how in terms of yes the provinces were handling the things I just listed but the federal government was basically had the most control whereas now as we see like 
they're not of course i wouldn't say they're equals like i think federal government is still considered the more powerful of the two of course but provincial governments handle a lot on their own yeah and also are given kind of a seat at the table to speak on the provincial needs so it's moved from less of a subordination of provincial governments to more of a like equal and passing back and forth relationship which is cool and I actually found a really good video. We were watching it together, me and um, Felix, about um, it was a lecture by somebody who gives presentations for citizenship tests, um, mm-hmm. and they had posted a video of their lecture. And it was actually a really good um, refresher on all of this stuff, but also in really plain language. So yeah, we'll definitely include it in the show notes. But something helpful that they talked about is they equated the different um, federal government positions to different provincial government positions so for example the governor general who represents Mm -hmm. the queen the monarch at the provincial level there's also representatives for each province and territory who act as the a representative of the queen oh shit i didn't know that i didn't know (laughs) that either yeah they're called the lieutenant governor oh yeah yeah that (laughs) okay now i'm like i get it i get it yes 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 so they basically act on behalf of the crown and so they will, when we're passing provincial bills, right, to be made into acts and then laws, they are the people who give royal assent, for example. Um, Do you know who the current lieutenant governor is? I don't. I can Google it. Let me Google right now. I'm the just curious because I've heard lieutenant governor before, governor. but just yeah. really just not. But like, been like, do I know what that means? The lieutenant no. governor of Ontario is Elizabeth Dodeswell. Oh, yeah. No. Dodeswell. I've never heard that name. <laughs> sorry elizabeth you're not that popular honorable elizabeth dodeswell sorry is um, she a lawyer i have no idea about her i mean, I mean sorry to ask so many questions no no, no. honestly no, if people I call someone honorable does that mean because right like the honorable judge so and so is precise yeah, it's the it's, title in government you get the oh. honor okay oh is a white woman yeah she's an old white lady seems nice she's the 29th lieutenant governor of ontario um she carries out constitutional and ceremonial duties um how long has she been around let me see well they say she was previously the founding president of a nuclear waste management organization and later worked at the council of canadian academies she took office in 2014 so about six years now so who would have put her in office not she has a bachelor of home Kathleen economics Lynch. in teaching and a teaching certificate from university of saskatchewan a master okay. of science in behavioral sciences from utah state university she's an officer of the order of canada a member of the order of ontario and recipient of numerous distinctions and fellowships and she holds 11 honorary doctorates so not a lawyer no okay <laughs> okay no. okay no that's fine okay. it's just because it's good so many know. politicians have a background a in law no, yeah, I understand. Um, law, but well, economics, either law or economics, is the big ones. Yes. Yeah. Or Another I guess thing. drama. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Wait, who has a background in drama? Justin Trudeau. He's a yeah, teacher. He's so I, yeah. That's, that's gonna really peak that. But I'm teaching. He's wait. a teacher. Oh yeah, drama. He, I, I love that for him. I don't know what to say. I did not know that before. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> But um, something else about the lieutenant governor that is similar to the federal government is the governor general, like you said, acts Mm -hmm. in part from the advice of the prime minister. So in terms of the Senate, for example, same thing with the lieutenant governor and the cabinet or the executive council is what they can also be called. Um, On the provincial level, right, 
if we're going to equate prime minister, what we have in provinces are premiers. Premiers. Yeah. Premiers. Yeah. How do you say it? Premiers? Premier. 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 Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bilingual countries. So yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do That's they funny. have in territories? Do you know? They have premiers as well, from what I understand. Oh, they're also called that? So it's just territory. Yes. Do you know the difference government? between a province and a territory? I don't. And we should look that up, actually, because I want to know. I'm going to okay. Google it. Because I was just thinking about that, and I'm like, I definitely have known in the past what the difference is, but I do not know now. Oh, very interesting. There is a clear constitutional di- distinction between... Sorry, our neighbors are being really loud, so if you can hear stomping, it's them. Yeah, our apologies. So basically, in the Constitution, provinces can exercise their own constitutional powers in their own right, whereas territories exercise delegated powers under the authority of the Parliament of Canada. So I think they're given like a pseudo, like they're, they're given specific responsibilities directly from the federal government versus provinces have provincial basically provinces like provincial have more power. power that's very interesting right. um but i wonder like provinces why. get How? their act specifically from the the constitution whereas okay. the territories have powers delegated to them um via the parliament of canada so i'm assuming it's like provinces are delegated power from the actual paper Whereas the parliament right. said, here is your power, territories. Right. Where in theory they could I just revoke I am curious that. if it's, I wonder what the reasons are. Like clearly there is lower. The there, territory. Yeah. Well, and no, that how basically why the territory, like the power comes mm. from the federal government more so. Like I wonder if it's because there, the population is less. I also am curious if because the main population up there from my understanding indigenous. is indigenous. Yes. So like... Huh. Mm-hmm. I think they say here in this more. Wikipedia article is the powers flung from the Constitution Act are divided between the government of Canada and the provincial governments to exercise exclusively, right? They lay out what each of them do. However, a change to the division of power between federal government and provinces would require a constitutional amendment, which there have been mm-hmm. um, since the Constitution was written, of course, whereas a similar change affecting the territories can be performed unilaterally by the Parliament of Canada or government. So I'm assuming it's because they're technically not written into the constitution in the same way. But from my understanding, they operate under the same premier and then MPP structure. Okay. Okay. But they're in territories, they're called MLAs, members of the legislative assembly, versus here they're called members of provincial parliament. I guess this is something I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna look into this more. I yeah, know. for sure. And definitely, definitely. I want to look into it more too because if I look at this article they say they don't have inherent sovereignty in the same way provinces do well that's my concern okay. is that with yeah well I think there's concerns it's with Yukon, government Yukon, Northwest Territory but... and Nunavut they all lie above the latitude 60 degrees north to be considered part of mainland Canada north of latitude 60 degrees north oh so um, it's geographic that's how it says it here but maybe it's not mm. that it, it's that's why that it's just everything no, up there there's definitely other reasons it's probably just because when they made the constitution or the white people mm-hmm. that were in power were like the people there don't matter and the land there doesn't mm-hmm. matter we need to focus like put our focus elsewhere mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. my guess but i'm that's just They're my not, guess okay here we go so 
from a little quick Google search that may not be thorough enough, and we can definitely revisit this, but it seems that the territories are not protected under the Constitution because they weren't included as, like, the provinces have been. However, they have been granted the ability to handle their own provisions or, frankly, their own resources in the same way that um, provinces have, despite not being included in the Constitution. Those previous resources, for example, would have been handled by the federal government okay. for the territories. But now they handle it. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. What a and let me just quickly aside. Google. <laughs> I want to see if they also have premiers. From what I understand, they do, but maybe I'm wrong. Was thought you said they have members of the Legislative Assembly. They do, but I'm wondering if they have like, like the same. Prim- they do, yeah. So okay. I, I was just because I was curious in case they had federal representatives that maybe operate as premiers. You know what I mean? But they right. don't. They do have their own premier. Okay. Cool. Yes. So the prime minister equivalent, like we said before, of a province is the premier, and the parliament of Canada, like we discussed it, the equivalent of that in a province is the legislative assembly. And so Correct. the members of that group, right, we would consider them MPs, members of parliament in the federal level. They have a bunch of different names, um, depending on where you live in Canada. For all example, the prov- almost all the problem- provinces were like, stay well, doing their own things. We're going to do our own <laughs> shit. Since you gave us the right to, we will. Um, for example, a lot of the west side of Canada uh, uses the the uh, acronym MLA or members of the legislative assembly which makes sense that's what their or their group is called however we decided in Ontario to call it members of provincial parliament which also kind of makes sense MPPs MPPs um Quebec because <laughs> they have to be different um are MNA members of the national assembly which Yikes. makes sense because they want to leave us and be mm. their own nation and then also some of the eastern provinces have members of the house of assembly which also makes sense they all make sense but house parliament i think the ontario one kind of doesn't make sense because when have we ever called the provincial government parliament, parliament yeah <laughs> where I does do that think come up mla makes the most sense members of the legislature. when assembly. i hear mla i think of I mlm think of formatting. <laughs> formatting no i just think of like formatting and the oh, true. excruciating hours i had to do in grad school for <laughs> my resources i know yeah uh but yes members of legislative assembly um but yeah so that's kind of the equivalent structure parliamentary structure we have in the provinces and again they're making laws under a very specific group of things however we do share jurisdiction with the federal government on a couple things specifically things like pensions um immigration Mm -hmm. agriculture Um, certain health policies that may apply to the whole nation, Um, energy in ways that it applies to the whole nation, human rights, again, Uh, tourism and travel as well. Okay. Wait, I have a question. Yeah. Because they have certain health jurisdiction, does that mean that the prime minister and his cabinet have the right to put Canada into a federal lockdown? I hope so. (laughs) But I have no idea. I'm just curious. Because I know Ontario is headed back into a lockdown post-Christmas. Yeah. Isn't that comical? Honestly, they were like, you know what? I think they're doing it after Christmas, but 
I, I mean, know. I understand why he. Just, I mean, again, it's very conservative for them to be like businesses. We gotta work on businesses. Blah 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 blah. But the businesses can still run. No, you know, the lockdown he's saying is like there. But also, basically, the lockdown is the same as before. I read an article about it before we were on the phone. It is. Literally, it's the same as before, except there's there's more of an urge, quote unquote, to not go anywhere. Right. Yeah, he but was like still no enforcement or curfew. Neither of those things. Yeah, his messaging. He's. Pro- I have. I can like. I'm. But basically, I'm I laugh. Cut this out. Don't worry. You can okay. talk freely. <laughs> I laugh at the amount of times that I've seen him. I urge you to stay home. I'm like, bitch. You're the one who didn't set an example when you had several people from different households over at your house. So like. Also, today on the news, I was watching it with Henry. None of the people standing behind him were wearing masks, and I was infuriated. <laughs> you know, we won't lead by example. We'll just uh, do whatever we want. Yeah, so okay. angry. Well, and the thing is, is why also why is no one wearing masks? You can still talk clearly with a mask on. I'm tired. Yeah, I. You know what? Maybe I don't it's even an accessibility thing. I think maybe for people who lip read, then but it's then good that the speaker. A, but people behind you, yeah. Like they literally have interpreters. Or subtitles. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of other options. Or like you know maybe Lord forbid if you do like cannot wear a mask and speak at the same time for whatever fucking reason, have at least the people standing behind you wearing to, a mask. Um, wear their fucking made me very angry it's so stupid but yeah so actually jumping back in our premier here in ontario is doug ford he is a conservative um he's part of the progressive conservative party and for our current i mean progressive is a stretch but we don't have to go there (laughs) if y'all are listening you know where we land but um our current um cabinet or or sorry not our cabinet our current mpps which are again those elected officials that work in the same way as mps on the federal level which means they basically have their own district and people in that area vote for them and then they're elected based on whoever gets the most votes Mm -hmm. our mpps currently we have 125 seats here in Canada, and 72, sorry, not here in Canada, here in Ontario, 72 of them are conservative. (laughs) Um, Right now we're in a majority conservative government, which is not a great situation for anyone who is left-leaning, because that means they have a lot of power. They can do a lot of stuff, because they only have eight liberal seats, Um, but 40 NDP seats. 40 NDP seats, though, is something that pleases me greatly. That's better. (laughs) And they have three independent seats and one Green Party seat. Interesting. Um, Green Party always has at least one solid one seat. They have one solid seat in BC for the federal election every year. That's litty, though. (laughs) The thing is, though, the Green Party stands for a lot of good stuff. They're, like, well aligned with the NDP and a lot of things, too. Absolutely. It's just they have no... People don't back them. They have no... um, They're not big enough. Like, not enough traction or support. Mm -hmm. The new head of the Green Party, isn't it a black woman? Yes, the federal one, because Elizabeth May stepped down or something like that. She did. I forget her name. I heard about her. So that is now the second person of color to be in that high of a position and also the Rosemary first brown is the first black woman then because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. did you know so um charlie was looking at this but jagmeet singh and we been new but it's a reminder jagmeet singh jagmeet singh sorry is the first uh person of color to be like that high in that high of a position in the government a leader of a major party yeah yeah and now anime paul anime paul that's amazing cool 
love it love to see it but yes so those mpps they basically are elected every four years like we talked about from what Mm -hmm. i understand they don't have the same ability to trigger an election like a federal one does um but i We'll look into it and update the show notes if that is the case. But I didn't see that anywhere in my research. Okay. Um, and basically, we have 125 eligible seats. Um, I saw actually conflicting information on the Ontario Canada website, which I thought was very funny. They were saying 124 seats in some places, 125 in other places. But it seems like the most up-to-date is 125. Their website, let's, I'll just be honest and say I noticed that, especially since the new government came into place, their messy. website is super messy. And there is, like, so many space things. I've like been going to their website a lot actually for different reasons and the different mm-hmm. pages are not updated or just missing information like several months ago I went to a web page actually about indigenous groups in mm-hmm. Canada and it said there was a map and it was it was like oh the map's down and then several months later I went back and they're like the map is still down and I'm like I wouldn't expect your government to get this shit in order but also what yeah yeah it's just a mess messy um, messy it's definitely messy but yeah the premier by the way is the leader of the party that won the most seats as well so doug ford was the as the leader of the provincial at the provincial level for the party and that's why he's leading it now i, to, oh I yeah, don't know if i'm making this up mm-hmm. i need to look this up but i feel like he didn't win his riding though um, I think let did. me look that up in... someone didn't win their riding it might have been the leader Kathleen Wynne she might not have won because she's oh, also no, no they, longer the leader they really went down <laughs> but they were they lost so many seats that they're that they don't get like funding from the government for like office space or something like that that's comical actually yeah, eight seats yeah. is pretty rough but yeah going so from while... a liberal majority I know well you know what and like that's the thing in a majority government basically a party that wins a majority of seats is only 63 but literally if you think about it because we have a smaller number of seats they basically only have to win 63 seats in ontario to be considered a majority government right so Mm -hmm. they scraped by but nobody else was close you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. the ndp was far off from 63 and then to relate it back to the Senate, we also have something at the provincial level called the cabinet. So these are actually a little bit different from the Senate because the cabinet is made up of MPPs. So it's not just people that are elected. It's specifically from the pool of MPPs that were elected, but like were voted in by citizens, mm-hmm. which seems like a bit it's a bit more fair to me in that way. But the cabinet is basically considered, it's also called the executive council, council, and they are the members that make up the ministers we think of. So minister of transportation, minister mm-hmm. of health, that implement programs at the provincial level. Mm-hmm. And they develop our policies and set priorities for us. But as you can imagine, we also have, because we are under conservatives right now, and they are the majority of the seats, the cabinet is conservative right um ford has come under criticism especially when he was first he first won for having a not at all diverse cabinet but it was interesting on the website there previously was photos of the cabinet from what i understand there are no photos probably because it's mostly white people and it was really hard to find any information about like information that directly spoke on the number of men versus women and the race or ethnicity of those people which i think is interesting mm-hmm. probably because they got in trouble for it before <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah from what I he's saw, also reshuffled his cabinet several times he has and people have basically said that he hasn't done a good job of 
Um, he's been throwing his cabinet under the bus for stuff that has been his own fault oh, or for initiatives that has been his own fault. Yeah, it's a bit messy. And then the members of the opposition at this level are similar to the federal level. It's people who are the elected members from the political parties that do not form the government. Um, okay. So NDP specifically. And yeah, so the cabinet, going back to the cabinet really quick, the other thing that's interesting is they are selected by the lieutenant governor in the same way that the cabinet is selected by the governor general, but it's under advice of the premier, just like it is under the advice of the prime minister. So really, Doug Ford is like, please select these people. <laughs> and then um, whatever her name is, what's her name? Elizabeth Dodeswell selects the people that he requests. And then... In the same way, the provincial government has those three branches that Sebeka talked about earlier. So we also have a legislative branch, an executive branch, and a judicial branch. Uh, legislative branch, though, is all elected reps, like we talked before. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, it's just MPPs versus MPs, like we talked about. And they basically deal with legislature, like we said. At our level, they also are focused on approving finances, so based on funding and what comes in from taxes. And they also investigate the other branches, so they look into how they're operating as well. Executive branch is like the Senate and the Prime Minister. They're the Premier and the Cabinet. They must maintain the support, though, of the majority of the MPPs in the Legislative Assembly to continue to govern the province. So I'm not sure, honestly, what the... Um, what happens if maybe they're voting against them but I don't think it's an election so I have to research that more I think it is an election you think it's an election I'm not actually I think so I feel like because like when you dissolve parliament so like what like I was talking about for the federal level if the prime minister if you don't have a majority and the prime minister has like something like a big bill that's passed and he loses the faith of like the house of commons he basically can that that basically can then trigger an election where people it's like a vote of no confidence you must have that in the provincial you I must see that, that. Not, there must be or some kind of I, system. it probably just hasn't happened for a really long time mm. honestly i'm looking at wikipedia and based hmm. on the cabinet structure it seems like it must happen so you guys are right i don't know if it's something that happens in ontario i googled it and it also didn't come up so maybe it hasn't happened for a long time but it d- I did see somewhere where basically it said that they have to maintain the support of the majority of the MPPs. Mm-hmm. So I guess, again, that's another reason why majority governments are really important. Because mm. And right now, the Conservatives are chilling because they have 72 seats. But uh... Chilling and putting a lot it's of stuff It's an election through. year next year, I think. Thank God. So are we going to have two elections? Oh, we never talked oh, about how there not. may be maybe a federal not. election. Didn't we? No, we we didn't touch on it. I asked about it, but I did read basically what happened is um, when the pandemic hit, there was already talks. There's been talks several times about how maybe Justin Trudeau will himself just initiate a new election because Mm. people there's like so much stuff going on right and, and so when covid a... hit he might try again mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. he um, might try for a majority this time so when covid hit elections canada which is like a third party organization that runs mm-hmm. the elections basically had to get their shit together and be like in case of a pandemic election, election. and so apparently they said that i saw an article from i think it was ctv news or cpc it said they said that the soonest possible date they could have an election and run it during a 
a pandemic would be April 1st, 2021. And honestly, fair enough, because we see, we saw the scramble in the states with mail-in and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I it hope is a we huge have endeavor to run an election if from If we home. have mail-in... Oh, absolutely. Could we make Jug meet our leader? Please, We already dear have Lord. mail-in. But, sorry, Do I think... we have pres- mail-in? Yeah. We wow, must have I'm mail-in. so... I just go somewhere. And also for people who live abroad and stuff, there must it's be true. a program as well. Absolutely. But to do majority mail-in would be a whole, a really difficult be, It would be yeah. way different because the majority of people vote in person. Well, like, when it's not a pandemic. But we don't use machines. And I noticed that... Does the U.S. No. use machines? Well, or do they use paper? Don't we, we use machines? We have no. machines. We will vote on a piece of paper. Yeah, we do the paper. paper is then put and then it into gets read a by a machine. Yeah. But there's countries... Yeah that you vote on a machine oh no i don't trust that shit (laughs) that can be had i think think our next provincial election isn't next year sorry but the year after because i think doug ford was elected in 2018 yeah it feels like so much longer it just feels like ages yeah yeah well (laughs) fingers crossed i mean we'll have to see what it looks like but yes, yeah, so they use the MPPs, they make up their cabinet, they advise them, shuffle them around if you're Doug Ford, things like that. And again, they implement programs, policies, and also can implement laws. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the judicial branch does the same thing it does um, in the federal level at the provincial level. So they enforce the law, interpret the law that are come up with by the legislative and executive branches, um, and they also discipline offenders. And passing of bills happens quite similarly at the provincial level as it does in the federal level. So there's the first, second, third reading with the review by the committee. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I see that might be a bit different is that royal assent can happen directly after that third reading by, again, the lieutenant governor who signs the bill. And then it will become an act and it'll come into force basically on the date the act is said to come into the force or if it's immediately then upon royal assent. Mm -hmm. There was a really detailed document that I found that talked about the Ontario bill passing procedure that was really actually easy and accessible to read. So I'm hoping to delve more into that after, Mm -hmm. honestly, we talk because um, there are different types of bills that are very confusing but seemingly are all different. Like they're implemented by different people. They're government bills. So that's things that cabinet ministers put forth versus Mm -hmm. committee bills. So those are standing committees that can bring forward bills of their own accord. And there's also private bills. So that's when a municipality or a company or even a person can apply and be like, I would like to be exempt from X, Y, Z. The fact that Hmm. companies are allowed to do that makes me uncomfortable. Me too. And this is why I want to research it more. And maybe it's something we can talk about in future. Mm -hmm. Because when I saw that, I was like, what What are you talking about? (laughs) What does that mean? Excuse me? So I definitely want to research it more. But basically, provincial structure is quite similar to federal structure. They're just like, it's a diet version of federal structure. Yeah. And then the federal government receives also gives funding to provinces and can help try and even out funding. So say like certain provinces don't make as much money back from taxing their um, residents for obvious reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. Then the federal government can also supplement that to try and make things a bit more equal based on population and things like that. But yeah, so Becca set me up so good. I barely have much to say. (laughs) No, no. You did such a great job. Thanks. It's really alarming the more I look at it because I'm like, the conservatives really have a grip and it really, it makes me upset. (laughs) 
it's absolutely upsetting because they're a party that we don't stand by but the thing is is this system also helps us when a party that we stand more by is the dominant party like when the liberals and the liberals we have issues with too but like for example if the ndp were to get like majority like that Mm -hmm. would be incredible and they could do so much shit Mm -hmm. and that's a sad thing is it gives space for that party in power to do so much shit but it just has to be the party that's actually good i know i think I think it's also important to have minority governments as yes. frustrating as that can be, especially because it can trigger elections. It's really important to have them because you can have the opposition hold the party in power accountable, accountable. and they're forced to work together more exactly. often. And they'll get more equitable things mm-hmm. passed Done. generally. 100%. And I think that that's... that's a winning point for minority governments. Well, I am curious, sorry. No, go ahead. With the pandemic, for example, like um, a lot of the funding, for example, like CERB and stuff, like Mm -hmm. the NDP have really been pushing for things like that. And I am curious, had it been a majority liberal government, what would have happened? And if CERB would have been a thing? I think it would have been a thing, but I wonder if it would have been as much, yeah. Because I also think because Jagmi and the NDP really pushed for the students like version yes. of Serb, mm-hmm. I don't think that would have existed mm-hmm. if we had a, a majority government, a liberal mm-hmm. one, as well Especially as the fact they were calling that... on on the fact that also students were going to have jobs. Like exactly. I remember that was a big platform as well that the Canada exactly. job stuff wasn't going to happen either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've also like asked for a lot of. Uh, some other things and stuff like that or the extension of CERB and like how that's been changed into like EI and how that all works but they've done a really great job of being like no this isn't enough you need to be better Mm -hmm. no I I definitely agree I think it's something else learning about this has reminded me is that I think and this is the same thing when I um, I'm looking at politics in terms of I feel like as Canadians, we also follow U.S. politics, sometimes even closer than our own, because of how it is over there. Um, But it's a reminder for me to pay more attention to our provincial politics. Like, I find myself rolling my eyes at Doug Ford a lot of the time, and Mm -hmm. yeah, like, I pay attention to him, but not enough. Like, I feel like I'm watching Mm -hmm. a lot of the national the federal stuff yeah. that's happening but i mean like the things that are happening here in ontario even in your own district your own riding in our own municipality it's like all important and to be engaged in it and knowing about it is also important because passivity with that stuff is like you know what i mean like you can't complain if you don't know what's going on and i'm not saying that's a motivator it's more like there are things you can do <laughs> yeah uh, and oh, there's ways you can be engaged beyond the federal level and in ways that maybe are even more impactful like mm-hmm. i don't know it makes me want to know more but do you want to tell us about municipality now yeah Felix. so <laughs> i think this is where things get different Uh-oh. um mm-hmm. and i think it makes sense Uh-oh. if you like if, <laughs> no, not, in, not in a bad way necessarily but i think it makes sense if you think about it like there's federal and provincial but municipal there are so many municipalities yeah. in canada mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you cannot have I, I i don't think it's easy to just translate federal to provincial to municipal no. so i found a really good article that was entitled municipal government in canada and written by tj plunkett and i'll link it below and i also used information from the city of toronto's mm-hmm. uh, website as well about 
the local government and so my information is going to be kind of in general like a general about like municipal governments in Canada but then also kind of examples from Toronto and Mm. talking about Toronto okay so to start off what is a municipality so a municipality can be a city a county a town or a village municipal governments in Canada are made of locally elected individuals from these cities counties towns or villages And the provinces and territories actually created municipal governments to provide services to its citizens that are best run locally. So examples of this is like public transit, garbage collection, and libraries. Um, Because if you think about it, it doesn't really make sense for the province to run libraries across a province when there could like there's going to be so many different systems it just makes more sense for someone in that area to run something like that or like community programming Mm -hmm. like it wouldn't make any sense for the province to do that so that's kind of how municipal governments came about and basically municipal governments get their money to run from mainly from property taxes and from grants from the province so this is a I think a big kind of indicator of how different it is from like provincial and federal because it really depends on the province for that Mm -hmm. grant money so not to say that it is but to me it kind of seems like it's a bit of a puppet Mm -hmm. and the province is the puppet master Mm -hmm. and then at the same time the property taxes like I know for like looking at Toronto property mm-hmm. taxes have been a huge thing they always have been and Tory's always been like uh, like I think one of his actually like campaign things was like I'm gonna make sure that property taxes aren't like too high blah 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 but the thing is is you'll see when the city needs more money you'll see it talk about increasing property taxes yeah. and then people mm-hmm. get upset that's true yeah. so how is the municipal government structured So the local municipal government administration is run by the municipal public service, which consists of employees and officials who have been appointed by the council and are then further organized into different departments. And I'll uh, I'll go into more detail in a sec about who the council is. So you have these employees running things. So for example, public service staff take care of our roads. They are firefighters. They are police officers. They're paramedics. They're the uh, people who take care of our recycling and garbage. Now, an interesting thing to note in the case of Toronto is Toronto actually hires out, like they hire a separate company to do that. So I'm curious okay. to even, I didn't look into this, but I was thinking about that. Like, are the people who do the recycling gar- and garbage technically employees of Toronto Public Service or are they like an Mm. outside company and for example they run city recreation so like keeping your local arena or soccer field maintained and there's a lot more other local things they do Mm -hmm. so most councils will also create committees to help run a specific public service so for example there will be a committee specifically for waste disposal Mm. and committees will then make recommendations to the council who is above them as the council is the one who makes the final decision so who is the council the council is made of members who are elected municipal politicians also known as councillors and the mayor uh-huh yeah. okay so this is the one space where they are just elected folks 
So public service is just employees and officials and stuff mm-hmm. like that who the council was like, okay, you're going to do this job. So um, everybody oh, else is like a hired person, but the city councilors are Basically, elected. yes, exactly. Okay. We, we don't elect the people who are in public service. Like we don't elect the firefighters or the police. They're chosen. Mm-hmm. No, and I mean, that would be hired. way too much work. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so we elect the councilors. And then some other individuals who are actually also elected are school trustees. That was a specific one that was named. What is a school trustee? I didn't I'm look not that. A Google. Okay, because I do want to know. Because <laughs> I've heard of school time, trustees. I've been it like, what is like that? It. I grew but up. They also sound like they are corrupt. Like, <laughs> oh, they definitely. just give me corruption vibes. It's Toronto school trustee definition. Oh, my computer about to scream. She said. You work me too hard, girl. Okay. <laughs> Let me do this. There are members of a school board. They're locally elected. Okay, she's blasting off to space. They're locally repre- elected representatives of the public, and they're the community's advocate for public education. They're required to carry out their responsibilities in a manner that assists the board in fulfilling its duties under the Education Act. Their role is to maintain a focus on student achievement, well-being, and equity, and to participate in making decisions that benefit the board's entire jurisdiction. So, for example, the Toronto District School Board. Yes, exactly. The GDSB. So Mm -hmm. this, they seem to be basically speaking on behalf of the the community rather than necessarily... As like an advocate. Yes. So rather than necessarily working uh, on behalf of teachers. Okay. Okay. Makes sense I mean? because the community were the ones that elect them. So, mm-hmm. okay. So that's who. So I'm that's curious someone else dynamically because I remember there as a kid there being drama between trustees. There's always drama. There's I'm always sure drama there with is. the boards too. I feel like you're not gonna have drama when you have s- schools. <laughs> I know it's like there's so many spice. people involved. Like there's no one's gonna be happy. So that's someone else or some other individuals who are elected, and. Counselors usually run as individuals, and so this is a big difference to mm-hmm. the provincial and federal level, is that they run as individuals and not with a party. Like, they're not affiliated with any party. Like, they themselves personally can be like, I vote conservative or I vote liberal, but as a counselor for the city, they are just an individual with a set of things like an agenda or whatever that they want to complete however they often end up aligned oh no they definitely are aligned with parties but they they're they're not parties like it's not like counselor from ward one is running for the liberal party like it's just yeah in my experience growing up though at least in my area and i'm curious about you guys um the counselors ran as though they were in the parties like they were like i am counselor blah and i am aligned with the liberal party values exactly no i am counselor x and i'm aligned with the conservative party but technically Mm. they can't like when they're running they're not part of the party no they're not but no but they're aligned on a platform they definitely and that's what i'm saying they have platforms that can definitely align with certain parties in canada yeah um but they run as individuals and then i feel like Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I feel like a lot of these municipal, like, 
political positions are also a stepping stone to getting into higher politics. Oh, absolutely. So this is what often happens. They mm-hmm. will they will run. Um, I saw something that said like they will run in these kind of roles and then go for higher positions. Like Doug mm-hmm. Ford's a good example. He was mm-hmm. a counselor in Toronto, and so now he's mm-hmm. the premier. Mm-hmm. Wasn't his brother also? He was the, the mayor? mayor of Toronto. Mm-hmm. The crack cocaine. Yeah, nationally, internationally. Honestly, internationally known known and loved. Like, people were pretty obsessed with him. But for not for for his work. No, it was not his work. For the wrong (laughs) Yeah. Um, They're like, he jaywalked. It's all over the news. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so um, that's the counselors. And then we Mm -hmm. have the mayor. So the mayor also makes up the council. Mayors generally don't have the power that we think they may have. So (laughs) I assume that mayors can do a lot and that like, for example, Tory, the mayor of Toronto has a lot of say, but lately in the pandemic, I've kind of been watching him and I'm like, I don't know if you do. So from this article, it basically said that mayors are actually just more like high profile, but they can't actually make any changes without the support of council. So if there is not a majority Mm. vote for something in council, it's not going to happen. So So he can say all he wants. But it's not going to get done if there's no majority vote. Or They're more like COVID figureheads. Like, not only do they need council, they also need daddy province. Exactly. Like, they need support. Know. Yeah, they do. You know, daddy province! <laughs> oh, I wasn't sure uh, if that was what you said, but I was like... <laughs> oh, and I'll say it again. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good point, actually. Mm-hmm. I do feel like, in my understanding of mayors, I've always been like, what do you do? Which is what maybe do you nothing. Do? <laughs> well, exactly. It seems to be much more like a figurehead. Like, you're supposed mm. to lead the council, but, like, they don't have to agree with you. Like, mm. Well, that's it, exactly. So, they say here that, unlike council... Oh, um... Well, that th- that will come up in a sec. Okay, sorry, yeah, I have some okay, other bits. Okay, yeah. go ahead. So, um, another um, there's some other names for mayors apparently, and I have heard these names. I just didn't know that stood for the mayor. But basically, mayors can be referred to also as chief office, chief executive office, or head of council. Oh, chief um, executive office? You mean the CEO of a city? Oh, is Ew. it officer? It may be officer, but sorry. But CEO of the city? Are we a corporation or what? Yeah, sorry, <laughs> Wait, it may be what? officer. I, I, no, I mean, just... I, was I like, definitely maybe cool. felt that. Yeah. No, no, no it's so okay. So that's okay. other names. Um, <laughs> and unlike <laughs> counselors who run in specific areas of a municipality, also known as a ward... A mayor Mm -hmm. runs for the whole municipality. So, for example, there will be three individuals running for the city of Toronto who want to be the mayor. So um, this is why when you see municipal elections, you'll see lawn signs for mayoral candidates all around the city. But for councillors, you'll see them only in specific areas. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's definitely another difference between provincial and federal Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Because the mayor, the mayor is running his own thing or their own thing. Like for Tory, it was mm-hmm. his own thing. But like, th- they don't depend on the councillors basically to get 
into their position. Oh, that's yeah. really they interesting. That makes they a lot are of directly elected. They're not like politically aligned and you're not waiting on your party exactly. because you're all also, individuals. Okay. Maybe that impacts the dynamic as well. Like they're not aligned with anybody. Do you know what I mean either? Ooh. So in terms of council supporting them or you know what I mean? True. Like maybe that's part no, of the reason you're not obligated. People still have values. They don't need to be No, no I, I know, agree, but, but like, I mean like you see how they're a figurehead. Oh, it's true. like different mm-hmm. than being aligned to a leader of a party that yeah. you're part of. I'm because like with part of a lot of party allegiances, for the most part, you're expected to vote in a very particular way, yeah. especially on a bill that has been introduced by your party. Mm-hmm. 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 So I think that's an interesting like way to like shift the dynamic that you have in municipalities, because you technically don't really have any allegiances, at least in terms of a party. It would well, be more of an individualistic. Is... I like alliance. wish we had that in our provincial and federal like i i like i wish i wonder if there's another system that can be available because like i want to vote for the prime minister i don't want to like i wish my vote could go directly to the prime minister you know but i don't know what kind of system would work with that but yeah so that's how it's like it's it's very different then compared to provincial Mm -hmm. and federal so and this is general but of course there can be differences based on the municipality so um, mayors, some things that they do, generally they're part of all the council meetings and they also are automatically a member of all the committees that are around. And oh, they, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so they kind of like just, a, yeah, that's automatically a part of their job. They can act as the go-to person during emergency. So literally they are just kind of the figurehead. So for example, with the current pandemic, um, Tori is like talking a lot with the province and with Ford, but it doesn't mean that it's not like he's actually doing anything except speaking. <laughs> you know, okay. like there's just talk. <laughs> I was interested to see what the salary of the Toronto mayor is. And what is as it? of right now, according to Toronto City Council from Wikipedia, the mayor's salary was increased in January 1st, 2017 to $188,000 and $5,544. So $188,544. There is people that make professors at U of T that make way more than that. It's like, yeah, a bit, like, it's less than I thought I'm surprised. I thought he would be making more. It's a lot, but... It's a lot, but he's also in public service. So I don't think, it it would look really bad if your mayor is making 500 grand a year. That's true. You know? They can't reason Um, that. Right. But that's so much money. It's a lot. It is a lot of money. I thought it would be worse, but it's still quite a bit. Still a lot. For And for what he does, well, and here's another thing is so, and this I have noticed, is they play a big role in basically their job is to make their municipality attractive to local businesses, tourists, and workers. Mm. So if you see, like, he's very much, and I always was like, why? He's pro work, oh. isn't he? And he's very involved he in the tourism. He's, like, always in ads and shit, and I was like, you why? Know, you know why that is. That, what? It's because all of those areas are places in which the city gets revenue. Well, exactly. No, they're going to want to, yeah. Especially for Toronto. Like, tourism is a big thing. And businesses, workers, I guess, too. But tourism maybe is the top. Well, workers striking impacts the city greatly, Yeah, It does. It does. But, yeah. So, basically, a figurehead kind of there to just, like, be the spokesperson and look good and interesting yeah and and um i'll get to this but also does hold like can vote on the council and holds one vote Mm -hmm. but 
to get anything done like needs majority again vote from the council so Mm -hmm. there was some other roles that i'll mention briefly that are also in the municipal government but i won't go into detail because honestly you know when you feel like they just created a bunch of roles for like people in high positions and it feels like what is that for yeah sure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so some municipal governments may not have committees um now i know that toronto does and so instead um whether they have a committee or not and especially if they don't have a committee they will have an individual known as the chief administrative officer and so this person is appointed by the council, so the elected councillors, and can make policy recommendations, while the council can then make administration recommendations to them. So it's kind of like mm. a back and forth relationship. Mm-hmm. And some municipalities like Toronto have both committees and a chief administrative officer. So that's where I'm like, what do you do? You know, like it just sometimes feel like mm-hmm. they have a lot of posi- people in power. Positions and it's like, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, So how do they actually engage with the provincial and federal government? So the relationship between the provincial uh, government and municipality is not equal at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a good example that you can see of this is with the pandemic. You can see that there is a big divide between the province and the different municipalities. And I think a good example is Toronto, but also um, like, for example, Brampton Mm. or like York region or Mississauga. Mm -hmm. Like the Mm -hmm. mayors are a lot of the mayors are frustrated with Ford. And there's like a clear like um, us versus them mentality. Exactly. Um, so municipality, municipal governments were created by the province and to a certain extent, as I mentioned previously, depend on the province for funding. So they are like puppets. And so some things that you may think the city would take care of are also actually controlled by the province. So when Charlie was talking about, like, for example, like road work, like that can also be taken care of by the city or like something that is really think I think a big thing in Toronto right now is the LRT, mm. Um, mm. The, and it's yeah. through Metrolinx, which is a provincial organization or is mm-hmm. run through the province, and it's going across like Toronto land, mm-hmm. but that land is being controlled by the province. So it's like right. interesting to note that there's things happening, but there's basically like always power plays between the two and stuff. And then, honestly, the municipalities don't really engage with the federal government much. It's not really important, and there's like the relationships don't actually exist because the provincial government is the one that engages with the federal government. So there's not really a need, quote like quote unquote, a need for them to engage with the federal well, government. Well, yeah, like why? Like, is John Tory calling up Trudeau? No, like, no. Like they may way. tweet about it and be like, the prime minister should do better, you know. But there's not I think actually it's more a, like a general call to action. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's not like we're having business meetings yeah. or whatever. It's not like he's calling him up and being like, "Hey, Justin, we gotta have a Zoom meeting this afternoon." Exactly. <laughs> like that's exactly what they're not doing. Eglinton um, is still under construction. I need oh, some help. Yeah, it it's will been always be under 70 construction. Years. <laughs> Um, but so now I just want to go back and just talk about the specifics of Toronto. Mm. So I called it like case study, looking at the city of Toronto. <laughs> um, but basically the city of Toronto's council is made of 26 individuals. So this includes the mayor. So there's 25 councillors for 25 wards in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, then of course the mayor making 26 and every person has one vote. 
and none of these individuals, as I previously mentioned, represent a political party, though they can vote on issues based on their values and political views. Mm-hmm. So in Toronto, there are generally there are, there are two types of committees. So there are something called mm-hmm. standing committees and community councils. And then there is something else also called city boards, which are not committees. That's a board. So the committees are made of five to eight councillors, and the public is able to bring issues and concerns forward, and then the committee can bring that forward to the council and recommend it to the council if they decide to do that. Mm-hmm. The standing committees make recommendations on citywide issues. So example, roads. Community councils make recommendations on local issues. Example, traffic lights, tree removal, and planting. So oh. it's more based on oh. specific wards. It's not sense, citywide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So there's actually four community councils in Toronto. And so the 24, 25 wards are split between those four. So the city boards, which are not committees, are made of both councillors and members of the public. So this is the difference between the committees and the boards. Committees Mm. are just Mm councillors. City boards are made of both. And the boards are for, like, organizations, kind of connected to organizations. And a big one in Toronto is the TTC. So the public transit in Toronto is run by the TTC, which is technically it's a private company and owned by not by the government Mm. so they have a board to basically organize things and make sure that the ttc is running smoothly in the city blah 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 and they have like a relationship it's kind of almost like i guess Mm -hmm. a space to build a relationship um another one they mentioned is like the toronto zoo Mm -hmm. like the toronto zoo is not actually from the government it's an other company but Mm. they build a relationship um and so then Basically, the last thing is that I know I mentioned above, like, generally, like, the municipal government, it's run by the municipal public service, like, especially the administration. So, again, like, taking care of arenas or, like, garbage or communities Mm -hmm. or, like, library or, sorry, community programming or, like, libraries. So, Mm -hmm. in Toronto, there's a bunch of positions that, again, I was like, what do you do? (laughs) Um, But the Toronto Public Service is headed up by what they call the city manager, who Mm -hmm. is appointed by council upon recommendation of the mayor. So, this was the Mm. only role that I could tell that the mayor can really recommend someone. Uh, Ah, it's like the power to... Exactly. Instate them, kind of like cabinet. No, so he couldn't, he can't... Put them in, but he can recommend mm-hmm. them to council, and then if there's a majority oh, vote, still can't even put them. No, in. he can't do anything. But he's he's a, he's showing up with an exactly. A guy. Yeah, okay. Um, he's like, here's and... a Chris Trager. Exactly. <laughs> who was the one, the first one who was worse? The one oh. that I don't even like. Oh. Not Ben. Ben is no. Good he was an architect. Him. That guy that left. Oh yeah, he and was he dated what's her name. But anyways, just to end off, not that it matters. Um, so, and so basically like one thing to note is that there are many other staff that make like are, um, making it possible for Toronto public service to run. And I Mm -hmm. think, um, we forget about how many people are on the ground doing that kind of work. And I know that we can get frustrated. Like, for example, sometimes I'm like, like with waste disposal, I'm like, why are all the bins littered around like it's easy to get mad at those people Mm -hmm. but i think we also need to remember that there are people higher up too that are just kind of like not sitting around but honestly like in their office doing things that 
we also have to hold them accountable yeah. and remember them because the people on the ground are often not the ones who made a decision to do something or doing something a certain 100%. way. This is like mm-hmm. my general rule of life. Like this is how I feel about service workers. Anybody I'm interacting with that's providing a service or selling a product, like likely if they are here handing you something, picking up your garbage, changing the tree. They're not empowered. The Their position is not They're empowered. They're doing something that just they've been directed to do and are yeah. trying to survive. So mm-hmm. Oh, and trying also directed to do that they like feasibly cannot do in often a good amount of time. Yes. Like for example, the garbage being pickup demanded being do. demanded yeah. to do a certain amount in mm-hmm. a certain amount of time when they don't have enough workers. Mm-hmm. Or Absolutely. like, I know this is not the most important, but like tree planting. Mm-hmm. Like for example, mm-hmm. um, my parents had a tree that was on government property. So like the municipality owns a certain amount of your property off of the road. Like if mm-hmm. your house is on the road, main road, and or just roads, sorry. And so the tree needed to be cut down and replanted. They need a new tree. They found out that it could take two years for them to get a new tree. But it just so happened that the tree planting crew was in the area and my mom talked to them and was able to get a new tree. Had she not caught them, it would have taken two years. But that's not their fault. No, they're just being given. It's the city's fault. (laughs) Or the people higher up. So, yeah. Wow, I feel like I've learned so much. This is really good. I have one question. Yeah. So, the people that vote on police budgets, that's municipal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's why. So, so when the they def- asked to, to defund to. the police, you have to yeah. talk to your municipal, and they and did. That's... that's why they went to Tory. And I think it was actually mm-hmm. recently it was passed. It was like they not really? passed, but like they put something forward to they... defund Toronto okay. police, and they didn't. Like it was. Actually, no. Oh they, yes. Yeah. They voted pass, against but it, but they put it forward. It was like in yes. the air there. But again, this the thing is, like... is, if they want money, forget about property taxes. Maybe take some money out of the Toronto PD's budget. For real, though. But this is the thing, and like, I think maybe what we can do is maybe in our show notes we can include some calls to action for mm-hmm. um, if you're in the Toronto area. But maybe we can see if there's a way to link people to a call to action in their own area. Like, this is a reminder to me that like, yes, it's important to pay attention to drug meat and to trusted Trudeau but also but however, your elected ward member has a vote they're doing on the stuff city council here, right here that yeah you have an so if on. you go talk to you and you also have a better chance of being able to actually have a real or conversation a real letter or with have the a ward member call, you know or to have some kind of participation in actual effective mm-hmm. change yes because you're probably much more likely to get an email or a phone call back from your city council representative or even to have your stuff read or listen to exactly exactly so i don't know i'm like fired up i want to be more engaged um we moved Mm -hmm. recently so we want to know more about our own area but also i want to know more about my home fam like my family's area so we can talk to them about their stuff like Mm -hmm. i want to be better as a community member in this stuff because though we don't agree necessarily with everything to do with the system we are under it so partaking disagreeing and not doing anything is not going to get you anywhere basically and also like we it's like a privilege to be able to participate so i want to use that absolutely considered a bit oh my gosh okay well thank you for listening if you did i'm sure it's gonna be a long episode because we've been recording (laughs) for a really long time but um i hope this was a good refresher if you've known this already or learning along with us if you didn't 
Um, again, we have our donation links in the show notes um, to Black Lives Matter Canada as well as Toronto Tiny Homes, a really amazing initiative. Um, so please boop, boop. look into that. Again, it's holiday season. So and I'd also you- advise actually looking, sorry to interrupt, but <laughs> in okay. relation to Toronto Tiny Homes, looking into like... So Toronto Tiny Shelter, I believe they're called tiny shelter um if you look up literally like and we can link it actually too is the toronto um government's sorry the toronto municipality like government um their website but basically the toronto's uh, city of toronto's website they post like what they're doing to support the homeless community and the houseless community and so you can kind of look at that and see what they're doing but also recognize that they aren't doing enough and so it's Mm -hmm. we should be supporting movements that are trying to right now create space and make space for houseless folks yeah and again like I forget his name, I need to pull it up, but the carpenter who's running this initiative, he mm-hmm. has found ways to still keep doing it despite being yeah. um, ordered to stop. Like, he's working yeah. with private companies. So there are ways, like, that he is, of course, going against direct orders, but is still doing it legally. So we want to support that kind of movement, too. And also, just because something's illegal doesn't mean that it's, it's wrong. wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, one other thing is say you want to give a holiday gift or someone um, is offering to give you a holiday gift. If you don't want a gift for the holidays, whatever holiday you're celebrating, a great thing to do is to either donate in somebody's name or have someone donate in your name to an organization. So we have those two listed below, but just generally, if you have anywhere that you're willing to give your funds or to have funds given to in your name. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Have a wonderful yeah. Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. Um, if you're celebrating anything else, we hope you have a wonderful, happy, safe time. Please do it safely. Um, we sure will be. And mm. we'll talk to you, I guess, in the new year. Yeah. Ooh, boop, boop. Ooh. Okay, y'all. Um, we'll sign off then. Bye. Bye. Bye.